Hey, Carnies, welcome to this episode of Sideshow. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. And today we are going to talk about is it is it collectively our no the jerk would probably be collectively our favorite movie yeah we'll talk about that movie someday but the air but airplane is got to be in the top five for both of us if you have your top 10 movies is airplane in there yes it was definitely up there for me i mean it it there was nothing like this beforehand almost with with, with exceptions with kentucky fright movie we'll get into which but, was but, by the same guys but yeah but this launched a completely new version of comedy uh, in, in the in the mainstream in movies and TV shows that has lasted the test of time. Yeah, and um ironically I didn't see uh Airplane first. I saw Airplane 2 first. So by the way, Joe can't believe that Michael Jackson has done such great covers of Weird Al songs, by the way. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a little uh cart before the horse when it comes to life. But yeah, no, you're right. This is the the, the granddaddy of all parody movies, um, and it sort of broke free from the the formulaic motion picture industry of the 70s where they would take big budget concepts and they would just boil it down to like, even to like the levels of like ridiculousness with like how they would take like a, um, a very basic movie, but then try to throw in as much mayhem and disaster as possible, even beyond the point of logic. Um, so what this movie did, they took a basically a straight kind of script and played it straight, but played it to absurd levels, but not over-the-top absurd, if you know what I mean. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling now. Why don't you take the reins on this well, one? Like what I said, it's, it's launched a whole thing. So you go through Airplane, you go through the sequel. How many Naked Gun movies were there? And then, like, you know, Hot Shot. You know, hot Shots Part two. Yeah, Hot Shot hot part, part 2. Let's just <laughs> also make note that the um, the creators of Airplane had nothing to do with the sequel. Paramount decided that they were just going to do a sequel. Right, right. I mean, the only thing that they had to do with it is cast a check. Yes. Which, which well, let's talk about the money, uh, first of all. Well, let's it, talk about maybe the creators and maybe the, the history. Okay. So 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 the, the the creators were two brothers and a friend. Yes, um, and they were Jim Abrams, David Zucker, and Jerry Zucker. The comedy team known as which 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 were the brothers, I don't know. <laughs> but they were the comedy team known as Zaz. You figure it out. They they for Minnesota, Minnesota, Minneapolis, something like that. And they had a sketch comedy troupe, Kentucky Fried Theater, that had been around since like the early seventies, and they were successful. They they do what everybody else did. They migrated to Southern California to get into the biz. They had a bunch of scripts floating around. They had become friends with some, I think it was like John Landis, who was the one who suggested, it's like, hey, why don't you do a movie based on your skits, based on Kentucky Fr- the Kentucky Fried Theater? Um, so they do the Kentucky Fried movie. Right. And then from there, I guess in doing research on Airplane, I learned that while they're developing sketches for Kentucky Fried Theater, one of their common practices... It's a little behind the scenes of how Airplane came to be. Um, There's Joe breaking that fourth wall. Uh, you know what? We didn't. Uh, we're, I'm actually screwing up the structure of how we wanted to talk about. No, this but, movie. but 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 let's let's let's. But they would we'll see these commercials, yes. and they would do parodies of. So the Kentucky Fried movie is a series 
of skits. It's it's more like it, you know this is you know when Saturday Night Live had just started and stuff like that. So they had taken a series of skits, a bunch of TV um, parody commercials and stuff like that, and that's that was the Kentucky Fried Movie. Yeah. They parody like um, Bruce Lee movies were huge at the time, and they parody like other movie genres. That's all it was, but it was a series of skits more than a beginning middle end you know an arc through it with like a through line and all that stuff yep and then um they developed this script uh for an airline disaster movie called airplane so they, they do this movie and and they did not direct the kentucky fried movie but they did direct this uh the fir- when they did kentucky fried movie it was the first time they had ever been on a film set like they had met other celebrities and writers and stuff like that. But this was the first time that they were on a movie. So basically them going, instead of going to UCLA film school, they ended up doing what was then a low budget movie. I think that was, I think it was like a million bucks for a Kentucky fried movie. Okay. Take your word for it. And so when they got the chance to do airplane, it, it again was on the lower side of the budget, but it was a healthy budget. I mean, a $3 million movie back then was, was, or $3.5 million was not a, a, a chintzy budget, you know? Mm-hmm. And then um, how did it do? Uh, <laughs> so they went on Letterman right after the movie came out. And why don't you, you break through the Well, Letterman. actually, that's a little untrue, but uh, or inaccurate, as Jacques is normally Hello. tends to be. So according to my notes, uh, the box office for Airplane did over $100 million eventually. I think at... In the 80s, it had gotten to $80 million gross. This is before, you know, I think now it's like over, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. But uh, so in 1982, when they were writing Police Squad. Right. Is that when they went on? That's when they went on David Letterman's show to promote Police Squad, which was, I think, one episode away from being canceled anyway uh, on their network, NBC. So uh, they went on the Letterman show, the, the entire team. And they kind of knew, they had a history with David Letterman. Um, I don't know how far back they went with David Letterman. I think they were fans of Letterman and his stand-up and his uh, earlier morning show. And they saw in him something that David Letterman didn't see in himself, and was probably right about. They thought that he would be perfect for Ted Stryker in their new movie, Airplane. The lead character. And when they went on Letterman, when when you Google this or YouTube it, uh, I really don't think Letterman was... Excited to see this, uh, his screen test. Ted, we got a telegram this morning from headquarters. Headquarters? What is it? It's a big building where the officers meet. But that's not important right now. You're taking all the blame for what happened on that raid was a pretty courageous thing to do. Was it? Because of my mistake, six men didn't come back from that raid. Seven. Lieutenant Zip died this morning. <laughs> Dr. Chandler says you'll be out in a week. Isn't that wonderful? I wish I could say the same thing for George Zip. Ted, be patient. No one expects you to get over this immediately. Oh. What's wrong with him? So Lieutenant Hurwitz, severe shell shock. He thinks he's Ethel Merman. You'll be swell. You'll be great. Where were you when you first saw Airplane? So, uh, you know, uh, you know, for the quote-unquote Fans of Carnival Personnel, way back in the beginning, Joe and I did an episode that got a little weird because uh, we're talking about our dads, and uh, and I, I didn't really – my dad took off when I was young, and one of the few memories when we would see him once a year, he would just drop us in a movie theater or take us to a movie – 
and he had like cable and, and we didn't. So he had HBO. And so through him, I associate a lot of the movies that I loved. And I don't know. It's because he took us to see airplane. He took us to see blazing saddles. He took us to see, you know, it's a, it's a mat, 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 mat world and stuff. Midnight like that. Express. Like seriously, the crazy stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, he worked at an airport his whole life and it's like, that was one of his favorite movies. And I don't know at 11, you know, how much I loved it or how much I loved, well, this is the one thing that, you know, I'm, I'm with this dude doing. And when it came out, I saw it in the theater with my father, but also back home in Boston, there was a drive-in near us. And there was one summer where for the first half of the summer, it was the first movie of a doubleheader. And the second half of the summer, it was the second movie of a doubleheader. So that summer that I'm 11, I truly probably saw it 20 times. And I got... I've got most of the jokes. More jokes than you should have. More jokes than I should have. And it's like, and at the same time, like I've always said, in hindsight, as a young child picking Don Rickles as a role model, ill-advised. So all of those like racial, like stereotype jokes and stuff like that, I just, I just thought were hilarious for the absurdity of them, you know, not, it's like, yeah. You know? Right, exactly. Finally, somebody's saying what I think and feel inside. <laughs> I just remember, you know, honestly, I, 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 my oldest son's age, just a little older, he's 10 now, and I was 11. It's like when the nun's reading Boy's Life, <laughs> and it pans over to the little kid reading Nun's Life, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, I just always, I, I just loved everything about that movie and the sense of humor. That, shocking. And 1980 didn't translate well in school. <laughs> the teachers did not appreciate that, you know, because I would. I was like, you know, <laughs> you know, can you do this math problem? What is it? Well, it's a series of numbers and questions that you put together and you get an equation depending on if it's a subtraction or addition. But that's not important right now. <laughs> you know, that's, well, uh, let's talk about some of the memorable scenes from the movie. So let's talk about what makes this movie stand out as a memorable movie. Is it the lines... Johnny, what can you make out of this? This? Well, I could make cap, or a brooch, or pterodactyl. Um. Bad news. The fog is getting thicker. And Leon's getting larger. Look at this. Passengers certain to die. Airline negligent. There's a sale at Penny's. Is it the casting? The casting, let's go with the casting first. And the great thing about the casting, it was none of it was accidental. Like, none of it was accidental. Yeah. Like, they purposely wanted to go after, like, the people that they did. And, and they thought it would be a lot funnier to have these deadpan lines come from, you know, Robert Stack from The Untouchables and right. stuff like that. Well, a funny thing, I was reading up on this movie. I read a part about Robert Stack and how he originally read for the part. And he read it sort of straight-laced. The producers were like, you know what? Uh, why don't you listen to this? And it was a tape of the impersonator John Biner doing an impersonation of Robert Stack. And then after hearing that, Robert Stack reread his part, basically doing an impression of John Biner doing an impersonation of himself. So what you're seeing on the screen is Robert Stack's sort of third-hand impersonation of himself. Of himself. Yeah. Like a parody, a parody of himself through somebody else's eyes, which was just everything about that was perfect. And it was pro probably maybe the first time that I don't know. I mean, can you think of any other movie or uh, instance in which a celebrity has parodied themselves that way on film? No, no I, I really can't. 
You know, and I think sort of, you know, now everybody, like every comedy, you know, has that, like, you have like William Shatner and Adam West, you know, they would sort of do parodies of themselves in later iterations. Right. We, had, we had talked about that, like the last 20 years of Adam West's life was doing a parody of Adam West. Right. But okay, Robert Sack aside, let us not forget the lead, in my opinion, one of the leads of the movie, Leslie Nielsen. Is there a line that he said that wasn't awesome or that you don't quote? On, on almost a daily basis. Um, I'm sure there is, but it, I, I can't imagine there being but, one because he, up to that point, was a straight actor. Uh, basically, that's this is going to be a recurring thing throughout this discussion, is that obviously up to this point, they were all straight actors. All of them, right, right. Uh, I mean, I think his big breakout role in... Uh, movies was in the Forbidden Planet, which was like a 50 sci-fi movie. It's awesome. So, you know, when he was given this opportunity, you know, it was playing against type, but Leslie Nielsen was later quoted as saying, I've always, throughout my entire life, have been cast against type. I've always felt that I should be doing comedy. So this is sort of like me not being cast against type. It's like, this is actually my calling. And, and how old is he when the movie happens? Because honestly, his career took off after He had that. to have been like approaching or, or surpassing 50. And, and it's, it's funny, like 50 in 1980 is 70 now? Like, because uh, he looked like no. much older. <laughs> he looked much older. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, when you think, like, but he, he, he seriously, the career he had after airplane up to before, he was a working actor. He was famous. He was well known, but he wasn't as big as he was like right. the next 10 years. Right. I mean, I guess let's focus a little bit on Melissa Nielsen's career since airplane. So he, He's cast an airplane by Zucker and Abram Zucker. And then, of course, they tap him to play for Lieutenant Frank Drebin for Police Squad, the short-lived TV series that led to the Naked Gun series of movies. Uh, those great movies. But then in the, out of the Leslie, I mean, out of the Naked Gun series, he goes in to do, you know, he plays Mr. Magoo. He goes the sort of Disney route. You know, he becomes the parody guy. Like, like Disney does their own James Bond parody called Spy Hard in the 90s. Uh, Mel Brooks, who had not seen Airplane when it was first released, he hadn't seen Airplane until years after its release. He saw Leslie Nielsen eventually in Airplane and decided he should be playing Dracula in my Dracula Dead and Loving It, which he had written years prior to a release. Like He just couldn't find the right guy to play Dracula. You know, not that Dracula Dead and Loving It is one of his finest moments in cinema history, but that just goes to show you how Leslie Nielsen can inspire other great Other greats, writers. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Leslie Nielsen was one of the legends. Uh, Lloyd Bridges. Lloyd Bridges. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I think now this could be a, a, a battle of who do we quote more, Lloyd Bridges or Leslie Nielsen? Because, I mean, I picked the wrong day to stop sniffing glue. <laughs> Every, right. I, yeah. I picked the wrong day to p stop taking amphetamines. Yeah, well, yeah, but with the Leslie Nielsen, and granted, it's the same joke, but it's like, we have to get him to a hospital. What is it? Well, it's a big building with doctors and patients, but that's not important right now. Uh, but yeah, but his lines, the thing, the, so so Jeff Bridges got Lloyd more, Bridges. And, Lloyd Bridges, sorry, got more and more exaggerated as his lines went on, as as his slip into drug paraphernalia, and, you know, it's coming right at us. Uh, but, but the great thing about Nielsen, no arc. Right, like how you see him at the very beginning to the very last shot, the plane's landed, it's on the ground, and he comes in and repeats the same line of, you know, I just want you to know, good luck. We're all counting, We're all counting on, on you. you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and of course, there's Leslie Nielsen's greatest line from that movie. I mean, you know, when he's at, when he somebody says to him, "Surely you can't be serious." Of course, I'm serious, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> yeah, you know, the one the one slapsticky part is when he's 
explaining to the passengers that everything's fine and he has a Pinocchio nose growing and growing. I thought you were going to say the part where the woman is freaking out on the chair. I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. Calm down, ma'am. And he slaps and him. And he gives her, you know, the old 1950s, a woman's being hysterical. You just gotta, you know, calm her down with a good backhand. Doctor, you want it on the phone. <laughs> and then, and then the, the progression of the line behind him, right. people with the chains, and the brass and the knuckles, bra- and the bats. Oh, they got! Remember when you could joke about hitting women? Uh, uh, and then, uh, speaking of one more casting of brilliance, brilliant, brilliant casting, Barbara Billingsley. Oh, and and, and that's that's the whole thing. They were they were taking. Icon, icon, A-lister, strong B-listers, known for doing this, yeah, and just completely putting him in a different. And she was June Cleaver on Leave It to Beaver. She was the mom. She was America's mom. And, and it's one of Joe. It's one of Joe's favorite lines when it's like, "Oh, I speak jive." Just hang loose, blood. Mama's gonna get you on the rebound with the medicide. Who is the Christian? Who the pilot? Who was the pilot? Who who wasn't gonna take the role? The, the actor who wasn't going to take the role because uh, he thought it was crass. Oh, no. I'm trying to think. No, you're, okay. Oh, Peter Graves. Right. Well, right. His agent saw the script and, and, and saw some of the objectionable lines that Peter Graves' character would have to say. And he said, Such as, uh, <laughs> Hey, Billy. Uh, hey, Joey. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> you ever been to a Turkish prison? <laughs> right. Yeah. His agent had seen the script and uh, just didn't, you know, he thought it was trash. And on the DVD commentary, I believe it was uh, David Zucker who says, I can't believe that he had a problem with jokes about pedophilia. Yeah, yeah. what did he find objectionable about jokes about pedophilia? Uh, But you did. You had all of these big things. And then the other thing that you had touched on, and we can go down the list, is the movies that it that it paid homage to, parodied, you know, however you want to say it. And I literally will go down the list because uh, we made a list. So, movies parodied by Airplane. Um, and I, I believe this is off the internet. So, and and having seen it and it's thousands Jackson, of times. Jock's internet. So, you know, <laughs> your, your mileage may vary. Uh, Newt Rockney's All-American, 1940. Casablanca, 1942. Since You Went Away. Uh, 1944. It's with the dialogue between the soldier and his girlfriend as the plane leaves. Uh, Shane, 1943. Oh, wait, wait. I mean, and not only did they take the dialogue, it's like when she's running down the runway, because that, w- that was like a train was taking off. Right. And, was going, and she starts hitting the post, <laughs> and then she gets up. Oh. Shane, 1953. Peter Graves' dialogue with Joey matches cadences of Alan Ladd's dialogue with Joey. Uh, from Here to Eternity, 1953. Kissing scene on the beach, obviously, with the... Uh, the which the, direct, which the director's claim was not inspired by the movie, of course not. <laughs> uh, the High and the Mighty, 1954. Uh, Fury, 1955. Captain Over's conversation with Joey. Uh, Flight into Danger, a movie called Zero Hour, which we'll get into later. Uh, Crash Landing, 1958. A scene of a boy and a girl having coffee is taken from Crash Landing. Uh, Flug and Gaffar, Big Valley, Fantastic Voyage. God bless uh, you. <laughs> right. Uh, the 60 Minutes uh, counterpoint segment kind of spoofs the... Uh, and, and, that, and that's something that I say to Joe, like, all the, when, when plans fall through or something bad's going to happen, I'm like, they bought their plane tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Right. And I think that's a direct... Like, that's like the guy from 60 Minutes. Right. Yeah. Keep going down the list of everything else. Oh, of course, because people love lists. Airport, 1970. Uh, San Francisco International, 1970. Terror in the Sky, 1971. The Poseidon Adventure, 1972. Airport, 75. 
where someone plays the guitar uh, and sings to a sick girl flying to get an organ transplant. That's like a direct parody. Direct shot uh, for shot. Jaws, of course, from the beginning, you see the tail of the you see the tail dun, of the dun, plane dun, dun, dun. going through the clouds. Dun, dun, dun. Um, was that airplane? That was airplane. That was right? airplane. Okay, yeah. I, again, that was the opening. I'm confused because I I seriously saw airplane two first before airplane one, and I thought airplane two was fine. I kind of liked it because it was futuristic. I'm sorry, guys. You know, I know it's sacrilege, but hey, I thought it was funny. I thought airplane two was funny. I thought Sonny Bono was great in that movie. <laughs> Silver Streak, another movie that they made fun of. Wow, seventy seven airport seventy seven. Uh, Saturday Night Fever, obviously that scene where they flash back to a dance scene with Ted Stryker. And Julie Haggerty. Now, getting back to casting, one of the other fun things they did with casting is if you go back and you see all the cameos, and, and a lot of the cameos are like their, their friends and family and their moms and stuff like and that. Them. And them. Yeah. And, and them. Um, Jimmy Walker was the one of the uh, mechanics that like looked under the hood of the plane. <laughs> washed the windows and then right. like, gave him the credit card uh, you know, machine. So, yeah. I mean, they, they did so much with stunt casting and having the fun like that and the small cameos for, again, Billingsley, like an iconic icon. Those like, like Zuckers and a- Abrams grew up with Leave it to Beaver. Of course, as, and, as did everybody. And the fact that they had the mom from Leave it to Beaver, you know what I mean? And, and she wasn't terrible. She was awesome in that. So Joe just ran down the list. And this is why we're doing an airplane episode. We, we have it in both of our top five favorite movies. Like I said, as a kid at by 11, when it came out, I had seen it 20 times that summer. I mean, it influenced, for good or bad, the rest of my, my you know, would-be comedy life. I always loved the movies that you knew it was parodying because, you know, again, as a kid, like I seen Saturday Night Fever and Jaws and all those movies. And as Joe was going down the list, you noticed there was a theme through the 70s. There was all these disaster movies. There was all the Poseidon Adventure, which was probably the biggest movie that year in the airport 75. All these drama, big, big budget um, yeah, yeah, like catastrophe. Earth, earthquake and Towering Inferno. And all of that stuff, those and and Irwin and, Allen movies, and so I knew all those all those parodies. I knew the Leslie Nielsen's and the stuff, and I I got the the what they were doing even as a kid using these really serious actors and just the position where it's now completely comedy. Love the movie. Seen it by this point in my life fifty plus times. Joe and I quote it all the time. Thirty seven years later, thirty. So so Joe about two months ago. Uh, he calls me, and and he he starts telling me. He goes, did you know about this movie called Zero Hour? There was a YouTube video where somebody compared this movie Zero Hour to Airplane, and obviously, it's not like they just discovered it for the first time. I was discovering it for the first time, and actually, going back to the Letterman interview, they mentioned this in the interview. Zero Hour was a, a movie from the nineteen fifties, fifty seven. Yeah. That the Zuckers and Abrams had stumbled upon when they were recording those late night commercials for Kentucky Fried Theater. It was probably a Betamax thing. Yeah, and, and you could set it for like two, four, or eight hours, yeah. and it and and they would just record all night because bad commercials, local commercials, were always really awful and just fodder for great comedy. Yeah, so they were just they had it on record and they stumbled upon this movie called Zero Hour. And they looked at it and they thought, wow, this movie 
is the most perfectly structured movie of its kind. Like it, it has everything that a movie should have. The Granted, perfect formula. Right. It's the perfect formula for a movie. Not that it was groundbreaking. It was just like the movie that's just right for what it was. So what they did is that they thought, wouldn't it be great if we took this movie and just added jokes to it? And it's a serious movie. Right. It's a serious movie. No we, levity in it whatsoever. We kid you not. Zero Hour is Airplane without the jokes. And, and, and so Joe tells me that. And I'm like, you know what? Joe... Joe, he's a smart guy, smarter than me, but what the fuck is he talking about? Because I really couldn't comprehend me having raved about this movie so long and have zero idea that it was not anything that I thought. Like, it, it, when you think, oh, the Sucker Brothers wrote this great movie, it's like, no, they probably, if the script was 120 pages, the Sucker Brothers probably wrote. 20 pages, 25 pages, maybe. And when you go down the list that compares them, they didn't change the name of the characters. No. And they went so far. When they wrote the script and were going to shop it around, they bought the script to Zero Hour for $2,500 because they were no longer parodying the movie. They were basically doing a remake. Remake. And, and you know, at one point, one of the studio executives told them they didn't have to, but I think they were savvy enough, or, or they had a $3.5 million budget, so 2500 bucks because it was a Paramount movie. So it wasn't like... And it was this, honestly, this... It's funny when you think, oh, 1957, that was years ago. Well, that was just 19 years before they made this. Uh, no, that was 57, 67, Well, no, what they it's wrote it... 20, right. They actually wrote it in 75. Of, right, so nobody it's less than 20 it. years. And so I'm thinking, okay, so I saw the side-by-side comparison, and it's about eight minutes long, and, it, and it's interesting. But then you sit down and you watch a whole, I think it's an hour and eight-minute movie, and you're like... And I don't know if I like Airplane any less. And it's not that I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I think they are any less creative. It's uh, maybe they're more creative because they saw something here. But when I say if the script that they turned in for shooting was 120 pages, you know, 90 to 100 pages came from this movie called Zero Hour. Um, they kept a lot from the original movie. And we'll just run, ramble down the list real quick. So Ted Stryker didn't change. Uh, the part where Joey visits the cockpit is kept in. The co-pilot gets carried out by the doctor. So the co-pilot stories are funny, too. We're going to get to the co-pilot story in a sec. But but not just Ted Stryker, but his wife, his son's name. Like, all the names of the main characters, Yep, same. Right. Uh, the radio room, uh, even the line care for a bit of whiskey. Um they're, uh, they're mapping the plane's progress, the, the line, we're all counting on you, good luck, uh, that rough landing, even the part in which everybody on the plane who had eaten fish had gotten sick. Right, on the, on the original flight in Zero Hour, it was meat or fish. You know, those were the two meal options and everybody who had the fish. Right, was getting sick, including the pilot. And then um, I guess what we'll talk about now is that the interesting part is the casting of one of the co-pilots, or the co-pilot. The, the co-pilot. So, so an airplane, the co-pilot with... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Or was it Lou Alcindor? I can't remember who they went with. Kareem. Oh, they went with Kareem. L- I-, I take a little cream with my airplane. <laughs> How do you like your coffee? <laughs> I like my coffee the way I like my women. Hot, black, with a small piece of prune danish on the side. <laughs> so I'm reading, and it turns out that like the co-pilot and Zero Hour 
is also at the time, and, and we wouldn't have known this. I mean, he was a huge football star before football stars were huge. I mean, Crazy Lakes, and we have a buddy on FNH who's named Crazy Lakes, not because of the movie, but it's it's just kind of funny that there's the same name. But a little side note about that role is that uh, Pete Rose was originally cast to be the co-pilot, but I'm, because of his commitments to baseball and betting, and uh, thank you. Okay, <laughs> you beat me to it. He uh, he had to he had to uh, drop out, so uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar stepped in, and it's funny because. You realize that, like, in this movie, he's playing this co-pilot, but then all of a sudden, like, you know, Joey starts to realize him and, and starts to, like, rap. You're about Jules Jabbar. Right. No, no I'm, I'm not, not. No, I'm not him. <laughs> right, obviously. And then, of course, he's... My the, dad says you only hustle in the playoffs, at the end of the fourth quarter in the playoffs. Hey, I'm out there busting my ass every night. Let's see your old man go up and down the court with Walton for 48 minutes a night. And then the great thing is like when he passes out and the doctor carries him out of there and and from the waist down, he has the Lakers the shorts, shorts right. on and it's like his legs just go on for like the next mile coming out of there. Yeah. No, but it was that funny that when they wanted to hold true to the movie Zero Hour, they even went as far as casting. It's not like, oh, they like sports figure, let's get Kareem to do this role that role they specifically had you know a a at the time one of the biggest i mean this is 1980s i mean yes. 1979 like you know kareem is the lakers you know this is pre like when they shot the movie magic's rookie year was 1980 so magic wasn't even you know or i blip on the radar right but if you have an hour and eight minutes you definitely have to watch zero hour because it's and again, I'm a little conflicted. I don't know if I like Airplane more. I, I I like it just as much, but I'm like, is it more creative that they were able to take this and do what they did with it versus pulling it out of thin air and just parroting movies as a whole? I think it's genius. And and in reading into more about the production and the writing, apparently their mo was just parodying late night commercials and and commercials in general. And the original script for Airplane had commercial breaks. And, right, and right. And the studio basically said, you know, let's see if we can pare these down and make them shorter, and eventually Zaz removed them. But it was just funny that, yeah, that Kentucky Fried movie feel might have been plucked into this movie as well, where, like, you're into this movie, and then all of a sudden you're taken out of it. It would have been a completely different movie if, there were, if that were the case. And, and again, the fact that it launched a genre, the fact that it changed filmmaking, the fact that it changed, you know, the kind of movie that you could make. I mean, there's always been funny movies and, and, and different types of comedy, but but a full-on parody from start to finish. Before we jump off completely of Zero Hour, so Zero Hour is 1957, and 1971, they remake Zero Hour as a made-for-TV movie. So, of course, now, <laughs> I don't have an encyclopedia mind that I remember all this, but I was reading about it, and something stood out. If if you ask Joe, you're going on a desert island, you can only bring two things of entertainment with you. He's going to bring the Weird Al catalog and the Simpsons catalog. Like, as much as he likes Back to the Future and the Ghostbusters, you're taking the Simpsons catalog. And so... Am I right? Yeah. Okay. And so I was reading about the remake, and the guy who starred in the remake uh, called Terror in the Sky, 1971 made-for-TV movie, is Doug McClure. You may remember him from such movies as Terror in the Sky and Gladys the Groovy Mule. (laughs) And here comes the metric system. And and I bring that up because Truett McClure was based off of Doug McClure. I mean, he was based off a couple other cheesy, like, B-list actors, but the main focus of 
Truett McClure. 90, yeah, so <laughs> Doug McClure was the zero hour to, <laughs> to right, Troy McClure's right. uh, airplane. But, and so when I read that, I'm like, oh my God. So Joe tells me about the zero hour movie, which shook me to my core, which relate to this. And then I got so into the weeds on zero hour, I find out that that was, and I'm like, oh, it all comes back to the Simpsons, doesn't it? But before we we sign off, what what are your favorite parts about Airplane? What do you love the most? Like, if it comes on right now, we're going to sit here and watch it. Why? Um, just because it's so familiar. There's not like a even the downtimes are are fine. Like they're just fun. They, the 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 story moves along. The 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 jokes. Are obviously a laugh a minute, and just like the little things that you sort of pick up. Like I didn't realize that the couple at the beginning that do the blue zone and the white zone, uh, loading and unloading, those were the actual real life married couple that did the at the time LAX, LAX. announcements. Yeah, uh, I mean, and that's that's the stuff that the that Zaz didn't overlook. What about you? What what brings you to? You know, it's funny when I was talking about how you know I forget what grade I'm in. Probably first, and anyways, but I remember one of the things that I used to do that got the biggest laugh. I always had two pairs of sunglasses, and I would put both sunglasses on. And I, I remember very distinctly a teacher telling me, you know, I mean, you can't wear sunglasses. And of course, this is years before sunglasses at night came off, so you know that that trend didn't happen. And when I would take them off and very dramatically like whip the first pair off and have the other pair under that. Killed, and of course, not a lot of other eleven or twelve year olds had seen Airplane, <laughs> so they thought I was a genius. Right, and I think we're overlooking one of the main stars of the movie, the breakout character, Otto the autopilot. <laughs> well, you know, uh, that that's that part was not included in Zero Hour. I don't. Th- think. It was not, but that's one of those ones where I'll admit, at eleven, I don't really think I got that joke. I think it was maybe when I saw it the twentieth time later, when I'm like fourteen or fifteen, I'm like, oh my oh. god. You know, uh, and, and, and the cigarette, yes, it is. You yeah. know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just laugh a minute. Obviously, if you haven't seen Airplane, you're not American. Seriously. So thank you for tuning in. Um, uh, you know, I hope we didn't bore you to tears with this because we're going to break down some of the other movies. Maybe we'll break down The Jerk eventually. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, so thank you very much for tuning in. Um, any any suggestions for further sideshows or other movies you want us to go into the weeds for, please hit us up. And Shut Up is not a suggestion, <laughs> by the way. Uh, and please do not forget. And don't call me Shirley. Well, I'll give him another 20 minutes. But that's it.